FCS Nation, it's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ and 1340 KYLT in Missoula, Montana. Joining me like he does each week is Mr. Chris Callum, the co-host of this program. Chris is coming to you from his broadcast center in Cheney, Washington. Chris, thought they were excellent ball games last week. We'll get to that in just a moment. Our guest this week, Mr. Paul Paps from the Dan Patrick Show and Mr. Jason Ross, the play-by-play voice for the Sacramento State Hornets. Chris, the games last week, like I just said, mostly entertaining, very competitive. I thought the first round went pretty well. Yeah, it did. Not a bunch of huge surprises. Uh, We didn't really expect that there would be, but they were very entertaining. Let's just get right to it from one week ago. Incarnate Word, 35, Stephen F. Austin, 28 in overtime. Chris, I didn't think Incarnate Word would have much of an opportunity to win this type of a ball game against Stephen F. Austin, but they persevered. But Stephen F. Austin really hurt themselves with some penalties there towards the end. Well, the Cards not your first ever playoff win. They do it in overtime. Robert Farrell and Taylor Grimes each had over 100 yards receiving and Cameron Ward passed for 328 and four scores. On the other side of the ball, Trey Self threw for three touchdowns. He also had a pair of INTs. That may have been the difference in the game. But I'll tell you what, not a not a bad season at all for Stephen F. Austin. We go back to the spring. They lost a lot of close games, but were very competitive. So we were keeping our eyes on them. They didn't disappoint, and uh, I think they're building a good program there. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Stephen F. Austin will be here next year and might not be playing on the first Saturday. What do you say to that? There's a chance they've had a couple of really good recruiting classes. Southern Illinois, 22. South Dakota, 10. Chris, Southern Illinois was able to possess the ball, which is a problem they've had this season. Their defense looked fresh in the fourth quarter. Good win for the Salukis. Turnovers are going to be a theme uh, that will continue throughout the playoffs. They were a big factor in many of these games, especially this one. The Salukis forced three Carson Camp interceptions and a fumble, and Nick Baker was an efficient 21 for 30 for 210 and a score goes on the road they get the win Avante Cox big day with 10 catches for 148 yards and a score and the Yotes were held to just 324 total yards of offense and that's an offense that had been playing better lately so a big win a little bit surprising considering how Southern Illinois finished the season Southeastern Louisiana 38 Florida A&M 14 Chris the 14 points that the Rattlers scored were kind of in garbage time Cole Kelly and the Southeastern Louisiana offense was excellent so was the defense this is a good football team and I don't think anybody wants to see them on the other side of the line they can score they can run the football they do a lot of things extremely well this is a very good southeastern Louisiana Lions football team they also block well they have a very good offensive line and with Cole Kelly calling the plays I don't think that there's any team in the nation that they can't beat this was a methodical beat down 38 to nothing by the start of the fourth quarter. AM was able to score on its last two possessions, as you mentioned, but it was uh, well in hand by that point. Kelly ends up 31 to 45 for four touchdowns. Sela's defense held the Rattlers to 121 yards of offense until their last two drives. South Dakota State, 56. UC Davis, 24. Talk about turnovers. This game had a plethora of them. Yeah, it's tough to keep it close when we give up 433 yards on the ground and throw six interceptions. Surprisingly, Davis was able to stay in the game for a half, trailing 28-17 to 17 after two quarters, but their first four possessions in the second half ended in picks. And the first two were pick sixes. Buchanan Award finalist Adam Bach had one of those, and Dallas Beanham had three INTs on his own. Guys go through college even playing cornerback or safety without getting three interceptions their whole career. He had three in one game. That's outstanding. Yeah, it is. And Davis, boy... Uh, 
a lot of people thought that they would get blown out here and they eventually did, but I think they played well. You know, it just, you can't overcome that kind of uh, situation where you're giving the ball up and, and handing the team extra possessions. Holy Cross, 13, Sacred Heart, 10. This one went down to the wire. It was a good, hard-hitting, defensive football game. Very entertaining. And surprisingly, Holy Cross is another team that notches its first playoff win in program history. Junior linebacker Jacob Dobbs was huge. He had a career-high 18 tackles, 2.5 tackles for loss, 1.5 sacks. Both defenses kept the opponent under 300 yards, and Holy Cross held Malik Grant and Julius Chestnut to less than 60 yards each. I think that was huge. That was probably the difference in the game. 80 of the Crusaders 288 total yards came on a last minute game winning drive where Matthew Suka hit Jalen Coker with 14 seconds left for the game winner. Eastern Washington, 19. Northern Iowa, 7. Chris, we've talked about it all season. The Eagle defense has much improved, even from the spring, especially the defensive line. You hold Northern Iowa out of the end zone when they're inside the five-yard line once. You've done something. Do it twice. you got a pretty darn good defense. Yeah, defense played really well. And it was a weird game. It didn't really exactly play out the way I thought it might. I was very impressed with Northern Iowa's ability to pass the ball. Uh, even after Day went down with an injury, he got beat up pretty good. The backup, whose name's escaping me, had a good arm on him. He made a lot of plays, too. Eastern missed a chip shot and an extra point early on and then had a sure touchdown drop on a fourth and one play from the Panthers 30 in the second quarter. So they really spotted the Panthers some points. Despite those mishaps, giving up 315 yards passing, Eastern's defense played really well throughout the game. They forced some turnovers. This was the lowest point total, believe it or not, for UNI on the season, and that's including all the Missouri Valley defenses they face as well as Iowa State. Well, you're never going to forget their quarterback's name again as you're a music aficionado. He shares the name with the guy who was the lead singer for the Smiths. Ah, yes, that's right. Morrissey. Kennesaw State, 48. Davidson, 21. Kennesaw did what they wanted to do here. Ran the football, played good defense. Davidson, look, they were a little overmatched. One of the things that we both agreed they couldn't do was one, turn the ball over, and two, stay on the field, give up 14, 15 play drives. Well, they did both of those things and they got beat. And Xavier Shepard once again has a good day passing just four or five, but for 115 yards he also added four rushing touchdowns. The Owls raced out to a 41-14 first half lead, so it was never really close. They had six different runners with at least 30 yards on the ground. Classic triple option stuff. I think they had a seventh runner who had 29 yards. Kennesaw D held Davidson to 217 yards rushing, well below their FCS leading average on the season of 336. UT Martin, 32. Missouri State, 31. If you're a Missouri State Bears fan, you have to feel this one got away from you. We said a theme was going to be turnovers. Well, the Skyhawks got plenty of them, and they were without their starting quarterback. Go on the road, MVFC opponent, and come away with their first ever playoff win. Congratulations to them. Biggest surprise of the weekend for sure in another game where he had six turnovers by one team. Dresser win, making his first start since 2018, passed for 272 and two scores. We have all the turnovers, and it was still a tight game despite that. So Missouri State, to their credit, you know, continue to play hard. And the Skyhawk D forced six turnovers, including one with a minute remaining to kill a potential game-winning drive by the Bears. Despite all of that, the Bears D did keep them in the game, holding the Skyhawks at 368 yards of total offense, just 89 yards on the ground. Definitely the most surprising early exit so far. News from around the subdivision. Danny Rocco, Delaware Blue Hens parted ways this week. Chris, I don't know exactly what the leadership there at Delaware was expecting. They had an excellent spring. They played hard all year. Their starting quarterback gets hurt. They continue to fight, play a lot of close games down the stretch. I think this is something that the Blue Hens are going to regret. How about you? Well, they probably were regretting the last time they let a 
head coach goers, excuse me, it was two times ago with Casey Keeler because all he did was go out and build a program at Sam Houston State and win a national championship. So a little bit puzzling here. I definitely agree, and especially considering JMU is leaving the conference. You know, so there's there's some opening there. Not that you shouldn't desire to be the best in the conference, but it's going to get a little easier. And I'm sure Rocco's disappointed in the fact he's not going to have that opportunity to succeed. Sean McDonald, head coach for the New Hampshire Wildcats, retired after 23 years, two Eddie Robinson Awards, 157 career wins, and 14 consecutive playoff appearances from 2004 to 2017. One of the best to have ever picked up a whistle. Enjoy your retirement, Coach Sean McDonald from the University of New Hampshire. Maine head coach Nick Charlton resigned from his position as head coach for the Maine Black Bears to accept the position on Jim Morris staff at the University of Connecticut. Andrew Dresner was named the interim head coach for the Maine Black Bears. Boy, the CAA is going to look very different next season with no JMU, all the coaching changes. And in this subdivision, I've said it before, the only constant is change. Best of luck to all those gentlemen. Recap and news segment is brought to you in part by Tennessee Hills Distillery, located in Tennessee's oldest town and recently voted East Tennessee's best distillery and craft cocktail bar. Tennessee Hills Distillery offers tours and tastings daily. Customers can see, smell, and taste every step of the spirits making process. Tennessee Hills Distillery has recently announced a second location, Tennessee Hills Brew Distillery. They're the first company to distill spirits and brew beer under one roof. Stop by and try a large selection of award-winning craft beers and cocktails while catching the game of the day. Tennessee Hills Distillery, a true taste of Tennessee. Two locations in Jonesboro and Johnson City, Tennessee. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're now joined by Mr. Jason Ross, the play-by-play voice for the number four seed Sacramento State Hornets. Jason, nice not to travel, isn't it? Oh, man. Kevin, I'm so fired up. I'm just so excited for this weekend, for this opportunity, for this matchup. Um, and waiting an extra week just builds that all, uh, all those anxiety and those you know, moments that you're thinking about. Uh, they just all bottled up, so I can't wait for Saturday. We talk a lot about head coaches being stubborn individuals, right? They wouldn't be where they are if they weren't in some ways. What happened after that loss to Northern Iowa, which is a common opponent for you and your opponent this week, South Dakota State? Um, I would think there's a couple things. One, at that point, Sacramento State was still flirting or trying to decide on one quarterback. So that game against Northern Iowa specifically – uh, they did play two, but not the way that they're playing two quarterbacks now. But they mainly played Asher O'Hara, who's primarily more of the running quarterback, but can throw. But that game, he threw over 50 times, which I don't know if he's thrown 50 times since then combined. Um, so Jake Dunaway has been more of the primary passer. And then the other part that happened with Northern Iowa is six turnovers. I mean, it was 9-7 Hornets at the half, and anytime you turn the ball over that many times, you just you really don't have a chance to win. So they melted down in the third quarter lost that game, lost to Cal. And then uh, there really, to me, was the swing game, a 50-50 league opener against Idaho State. They weren't playing great. They found a way to win that game. And once they were trailing in the fourth quarter of that game, since that point, they've trailed for 14 seconds the rest of the season. So it's they've, it's all clicked. They're playing their best football, and uh, you know they know they're in for a tough one against South Dakota State for sure. Troy Taylor, your head coach, is known as being a brilliant offensive mind, and he is. But your defense has carried you at times. 
For sure. Andy Thompson and the whole crew has done a really good job. They're just sound. I mean, they, they create turnovers. They uh, are a really good tackling team. And they just try to get off the field. I mean, it's kind of a combo how well they work well together. The Hornets are up there in time of possession uh, in the top ten in the nation, so that keeps the defense on a little bit less. And they've given up yards, but they just don't give up as many points. And so uh, whether it's creating turnovers, getting after the quarterback, or getting off the field, they've done a a really good job. They've had plenty of quarter shutouts, halftime shutouts, and even uh, a full shutout against Northern Arizona earlier this year. So they've been – They've been stellar, really, from from the get-go, I would say. You mentioned Jake Dunaway. He can really spin it. Are you surprised at his development? Um, not entirely. I know they were always uh, thrilled with him and two years ago when the Hornets did make the playoffs as well when Kevin Thompson was their uh, all-conference performer. Uh, Jake Dunaway was behind him, and Kevin Thompson got knocked out uh, of a couple of games. And Jake Dunaway had one of those heroic performances at Northern Arizona a few years back where the Hornets got two scores in the last 90 seconds and getting an onside kick, and he was a big part of that. And I know the program's always been high on him, and even the year off, he stuck with it and stayed around. So it, it was someone that you know Coach Taylor has always been fond of, and obviously now he's getting opportunities and, and has really responded. As I would say, probably the quarterback that snapped, you know, taking probably about 60 to 65% of the snaps. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Jason Ross, the play-by-play voice for the Sacramento State Hornets. You're going to face the Jackrabbits this week. This is a team comes in riding high, and look, they got six turnovers last week. So you mentioned that Sac State turned the ball over six times against Northern Iowa. I mean, what are the chances of that, right? But uh, you figure <laughs> right. this is going to be a ball game. It's going to be a four-quarter game, and if you watch the film on the Jackrabbits, they want to hand that ball off to Pierre Strong Jr. and Isaiah Davis. And if they can do that all day, you're going to be in some trouble. What is the key for your defense, you think, trying to get off the field on third down? Yeah, that's it. I think being ahead of the down and distance, you know, if they're in third and long, not that Oladokun and the Jackrabbits can't convert passing and passes or even uh, runs on third and long, they certainly can do that. But I think if the Hornets are ahead in those situations where it's you know, a first down carry is a yard or two yards, second and eight. Uh, maybe second and eight is another yard or two. Now you put them in third and six. That I think those are the kind of things that are advantageous for Sacramento State. And then I, I, I do believe the other thing they're going to want to do is really highlight their ball control offense. And if they can have long possessions and score at the end of possessions and maybe limit the number of overall possessions, it's weird that the Hornets a few years ago tried to play with pace and just go, go, go. I wouldn't be surprised if they downshifted a little bit, tried to trim the number of possessions, and uh, utilize all their good aspects, which is offense, defense, and special teams, and see if uh, they take care of the ball, if that's their route to a, to a potential home win. There are still plenty of guys on this Hornet football team who were there when the season ended the way that it did against Austin P in the playoffs. That's a bad taste in their mouth. How much of that is a motivating factor, do you think? I think it's a huge one for them because – that whole year was, was such a blessing and a surprise. No one in the program had ever done that. They'd never seen it. They'd never won a conference title, never had to watch the selection show, never been in that position. And then to have all those great wins that year, beating Eastern and Montana and Montana State, proving that they were a good team. They were the four seed, much like this year. They get a bye. They have to watch you know, the first-round game, and they realize it's Austin P. And then they just were flat. They did not play well, got behind early, had to scrap all of the game plan. If I'm not mistaken, Austin Piano, I think, scored the first two times and then kicked onside, which was a great play, and they got it. 
and it was 21 nothing before anyone was even comfortable, and then you're just chasing the game, and that, that's not what that team did well. So they remember it. Um, I think the only advantage they had this year, not that they were looking forward to playing South Dakota State, but what they could do, Kevin, was just prepare for them, not that they ignored UC Davis, but they had just played them. So if the Aggies had won and pulled out the upset, then they would have scrapped all their material last week on South Dakota State. But since South Dakota State did win, they were able to get really two weeks to get ready on prep and uh, have at least their best solidified game plan coming into the game. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Jason Ross, the play-by-play voice for the Sacramento State Hornets. Thanks for making the time, Jason. Best of luck against South Dakota State. I like your football team. I like Coach Taylor. And there's a whole lot of good things happening there at Sacramento State. I agree. I hope it uh I hope it keeps going. It's been a fun ride so far. I, I see the experts have us as like a nine-point underdogs, but hey, look, South Dakota State's good. They've got the reputation. Hornets are trying to build on theirs, and uh, Saturday should be a lot of fun. Interview segments brought to you by the Herald Group. The Herald Group is a comprehensive security solutions company headquartered in Northeast Tennessee and was established to provide dynamic security solutions to the modern security risks people and facilities face. The security of you and your company's assets are Herald Group's number one priority. You can look them up on the web at heraldgroup.com. That's H-A-R-R-E-L-L-G-R-P.com. The preview segment's coming up next, and following that, I'll sit down with Mr. Paul Pabst of The Dan Patrick Show, and we'll wrap up the show with the pick segment. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Hi there, this is Flash from Bikers Against Bullies USA. We are a not-for-profit group created by bikers, but not limited to bikers. We are committed to creating awareness and educating both kids and adults on the benefits of living in a society of respect for each other combined with self-empowerment. Bikers Against Bullies USA was started in Missoula, Montana. The very real fact is that kids are kids, and they're dying by their own hands each week due to the insidious nature of the psychological and emotional trauma created by today's bullying attempts. Our personal philosophy is that one dead child is one too many. I personally ask you to stand up, support us, and by doing so, you're making a difference. We cannot change things without you, your support, and I thank you in advance. You can get a hold of us at BikersAgainstBulliesUSA.com or Facebook, Bikers Against Bullies USA. Wearing braces on your teeth can be challenging. Flossing and brushing is frustrating at best. The patented Platypus Flosser and Toothbrush for people that wear braces is the easiest and most effective oral hygiene device on the planet. Unlike traditional methods that are, well, just awful, your kids will actually use the Platypus products because they are fast and easy to use. If your child wears braces, protect your investment in their teeth with the Platypus Flosser and Toothbrush available at your nearest Albertsons and Safeway store in the oral care aisle. Platypusco.com. Stevensville Hardware, located at 323 Main Street in historic downtown Stevensville, has everything you will ever need for home improvement projects, farm or garden. From the smallest jobs to the largest ranch, Stevensville Hardware can take care of all of your necessities. Be sure to check out the Yellow House next door. It's a local landmark for all of your houseware and plant needs. Stevensville Hardware, open seven days a week, 365 days a year to serve you. 323 Main Street in Stevensville, stevensvillehardware.com. 
Brokers Realty. The Brokers Realty in Johnson City provide residential and commercial sales and leasing. The Brokers Realty focus on providing each client the individualized attention and customer service that you'd expect from the leading Tennessee real estate firm. For all of your real estate needs, look no further than the Brokers Realty. 3583 West Market Street in Johnson City, thebrokersrealty.com. We're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. I'm Kevin. He's Chris. And now we're going to take a trip around FCS Nation and preview the playoff games taking place this week. Up first, Incarnate Word is at number one, Sam Houston. Chris, Incarnate Word, they've won games in a lot of ways this year. Last week, they did it with their offense, but their defense made some plays when they absolutely had to have them. Sam Houston, it's been a minute since they've been tested, right? The Battle of the Piney Woods game when Schmidt didn't play. So I think Incarnate Word comes into this ballgame pretty battle-tested and with a lot of confidence, more confidence than one would think, going on the road to take on the number one seed. Well, I think it's a very interesting game. It's a great test for the Bearcats in defense of their title. Incarnate Word has a potent offense. We know that. We know Cam Ward is really good. He's tied for the lead nationally in passing touchdowns at 42. We've got Taylor Grimes as his number one target. He has 14 touchdowns, over 1,000 yards receiving. But they have multiple weapons. The two teams that were able to keep the cards in check were McNeese and Nickel State, both of whom are solid at rushing the quarterback. You'd think Sam Houston State's going to be equally as good, but they're surprisingly down the list as far as sacks go. So they're good up front, but they don't make a lot of sacks, probably a lot of quarterback hurry. So it's not that they can't give Cam Ward some grief, but there might be some some opportunities for plays there. Sam should try to establish a run as they're averaging 231 yards. Incarnate Ward is not very good at the run. And of course, that keeps Ward off the field and shorts the game against that potent offense. It's weird saying that the number one seed in the country who's at home needs to run the ball to shorten the game against the other team. But I think you're exactly right. And Sam Houston is capable of doing that. And the defense, like you said, they haven't sacked the quarterback a lot, but they have gotten there and they've made it uncomfortable for quarterbacks in the pocket, which is what Stephen F. Austin did to Incarnate Word last week. Cam Ward did not look comfortable back there. Guys were flying all around him. And that gave Stephen F. Austin an opportunity to win that football game. Sam Houston probably doesn't have to do that to beat Incarnate Word. But if you're Sam Houston, you want to come out and you want to take them early. Get up, make them one-dimensional, having to throw the football, which Incarnate Word's comfortable doing, but you want to make it to where you can just tee off and go after him. Key for Incarnate Word, I think, is to withstand that initial rush by Sam Houston. They're going to come out and try to blitz you and take you off your game. And if you're Cam Ward, man, sometimes that screen pass right over the top can be a big deal. I think that's going to be a huge deal in this ball game. Southern Illinois is at the number two seed, North Dakota State Bison. Chris, we mentioned it in the recap segment. Southern Illinois was much better possessing the football last week. They looked like North Dakota State in some ways. They ran the ball, kept the other team's offense off the field, and played good defense. This should be a really good matchup in the Fargo Dome. 
The Salukis were on a bit of a slide. They'd lost three of four heading into the playoffs. And they had no wins against ranked opponents going all the way back to mid-October when they knocked off South Dakota State. That ship got righted a little bit last week with, with the win over South Dakota. But the offense still seems to be less consistent than it was to start the season. And then, of course, you enter the Bison, who giving up 12 points per game, 263 yards offense per game. That's a pretty tall task to, to do much scoring against them. Southern Illinois has a solid defense. Defense. They're ranked 34th in rushing yards per game. They'll need to overperform and play really great against North Dakota State. They'll probably need to force some turnovers. And I think that Nick Baker's going to need to make a couple of plays in the passing game over the top for them to have a chance. Well, you mentioned the North Dakota State defense. That's been excellent all year because they've been kept off the field by their offense running the ball. And the short passing game has improved tremendously since Cam Miller was named the starting quarterback there in Fargo. But Southern Illinois, I think a lot of the those losses that they had were due to not being able to stay on the field on offense. Worn out defense in the fourth quarter. If they can do what they did last week, possess the ball. Even if you're going to punt, pick up a couple of first downs before you do and keep your defense fresh and you have a good opportunity here in the fourth quarter to knock off the Bison, I think. Southeastern Louisiana is at number three, James Madison. I think this one is the most interesting game in this round. We're going to find out who the best quarterback is named Cole in FCS football. Two important stats to jump out here are points allowed per game, 15.5 for JMU and 30.5 for Southeast Louisiana. And then, of course, we got strength of schedule, which is around 50 for JMU and 90 for the Lions. Two elite offenses, but one defense that has had trouble stopping anyone, that's Southeast Louisiana. They're especially bad at stopping the pass and near the bottom of SES in that category. JMU, surprisingly a little bit, is more of a, a pass-oriented team than they were a couple of years ago. Cole Johnson's been excellent, kind of flying underneath the radar. I think he's going to have his way through the air against the Lions. The Lions also struggle at getting opposing offenses off the field. They're ranked 97th in that category at 42.8% as far as third down conversion percentage goes. They're also one of the most penalized teams in FCS, so that can be a difference maker. All of this points to a JMU victory, but like we've talked about in the opening segment, Cole Kelly being on the field I think gives you a shot at just about anybody. And the things that he's able to do as well, it's third one and you think, well, they're going to hand the ball off to the running back. Nope, he's going to stick his head in there and get four or five yards. That happened against Florida A&M two or three times. He's a large gentleman and he's going to make his presence known. If you're JMU, Cole Johnson, like you mentioned, very good at throwing the football. Antoine Wells Jr. on the outside is going to have to have a big game, but I think you look at Chris Thornton in the slot for JMU. If he can get on that second, third, fourth cornerback for southeastern Louisiana, that's going to be a real advantage. Look for him over the middle. That could be the difference here. South Dakota State is at number four, Sacramento State. Mr. Callum, you look at the odds for who's going to win the FCS national title, and the South Dakota State Jackrabbits are ahead of the number four seed Sacramento State Hornets to win the whole thing. Sac State, look, if you give Troy Taylor enough time, he's going to come up with a game plan that's going to work. Their defense, the Jackrabbits, last week was outstanding, but Taylor's going to have a game plan tailored for them, no pun intended, that's going to give them some problems. This should be a really good game. Well, with South Dakota State, I mean, on one hand, you know, they've been inconsistent at times, hence the three losses. They also played a fairly weak out-of-conference schedule other than the Colorado State game. But then again, they're just 
two plays away from being, you know, a high seed. I think this one's very evenly matched. Both teams are solid on defense, giving up 18 points per game. They both like to run the ball. The Hornets do it from the quarterback position more with Asher O'Hara, and especially when he's playing, he's not as much of a passing threat, and he does lead the team in rushing. Both teams also lost by multiple scores to you and I, so that's kind of an interesting occurrence there. The Jacks have the more impressive wins of the two, and they're dismantling Colorado State, and then the win against the Bison, but the Colorado State win was a long time ago. The Bison win seems like something that they regularly do. Hornets riding an eight-game winning streak. They come in as Big Sky champs for the first time in school history. Two years ago, the season ended suddenly for Sac State at the hands of Austin P. A lot of kids from that team are still playing, and I think they still remember that, and they want to go out and prove that that was just a blip. Head coaches are not known for wanting to change, right? This is the way we do things. We're going to make that fit. Troy Taylor, after that Northern Iowa game, saw they were having problems running the football. So that's when he switched to the dual quarterback deal. And don't be surprised when everybody thinks that Asher O'Hara is going to run the football, he doesn't drop back and get a big play down the field. I believe they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to fool South Dakota State just a little bit. And I think they will. This one should be a whale of a game. Holy Cross is at the number five seed, Villanova Wildcats. Holy Cross, great game last week, especially on defense. The offense was lacking. You have to feel like Villanova is going to stack the box and say, look, Holy Cross, you're going to have to beat us throwing the football. I'm not sure they can. Well, they're not much of a threat to throw it. Suka's a good running quarterback. He's okay passing at best. And Nova's a team that has been known of late for offense, but the defense has really been the star all season. So I agree. I think they can stack the box and they can really make life tough on the Satyrs. Nova's given up less than 10 points per game over their last three against Elon, uh, Stony Brook, and Delaware. On the other side of the ball, you have Holy Cross, who on offense has been averaging 44 points per game over that same stretch. Obviously, different opponents. Otherwise, the two teams teams are statistically similar. Nova playing the much more challenging schedule of the two. Suka, though, has 100 or 900 yards rushing on the season. But I think the the odds are stacked heavily in Nova's favor here. Eastern Washington travels to Missoula to take on the number six seed Montana Grizzlies. Chris, this one should be a war. I'm expecting it to be a little chilly, maybe some uh, precipitation in Missoula. But this is not an Eastern Washington team that is intimidated by that environment. I can remember just several years ago, Eastern came in and in the second half, absolutely handled Montana. I expect this one to go down to the wire, probably the game of the week in these playoffs. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a place that Eastern prefers to play more other than Bruce Field. So I I don't think the intimidation factor is going to be as present as it might be for some other teams that go to Missoula. And we know the strengths and weaknesses here. The teams have faced each other. I think one question will be whether the Grizz offense or the Eagle defense have the better day. Both have improved down the stretch. The Grizz offense is done more through the air with Cam Humphrey, although it's still a liability. They're still not an elite offensive team, but their biggest strength is in the passing game. And that's actually Eastern strength on defense. They got strength playing into strength. The Montana defense is just good, period, across the board. I think Eastern had a little bit more of a conservative play calling situation when they played Northern Iowa. I would expect them to open it up a little bit more. I think it's going to be just a terrific game. Uh, the concern as an Eastern fan is special teams. We've had our issues lately, and Montana's really good in that category. And they made a switch at the kicker position, Eastern Washington did. And I know a little something about that. And the young man who they brought in, his name escapes me. The ball jumps off his leg. I don't know why he wasn't doing that to begin with. Is it because he kicks off, and if he got hurt, you lost them both, you think? 
It could be. I mean, it's hard to tell. I honestly don't know the inside story completely, but you know, I know that Coach Best was tired of gifting team uh, the other the opposing team points, and and that's what we've been doing on way too frequent a basis. Kennesaw State travels to Johnson City, Tennessee to take on the number seven East Tennessee State Buccaneers. Chris, East Tennessee State, not a great defense, but I think they'll be good enough here. But the offense for them is outstanding. You would expect East Tennessee State to maybe try to beat Kennesaw at their own game, right? Hand the ball off to Quay Holmes, Jacob Sailors, five, six yards a carry, eat up the clock, and keep Kennesaw State off the field. ETSU has an opportunity here. Chris, that if they can do that, Tyler Rydell can hit a couple of shots over the top. This could be a ball game that could get out of hand. Kennesaw State, they're the type of team that wants to grind you down, wants to lull you. And Shepard is capable, like we've seen, of throwing the ball over the top for big plays. I think whoever makes the most plays on defense is going to win this football game. Yeah, I think you're spot on. The Bucks have shown they can pass the ball when needed, and they can win in shootout situations. We saw that when they played Samford, Western Carolina, and Mercer. But they can also win in, in grind-out situations, too. Both teams are really good at third-down percentage. Not a surprise when you have elite uh, triple option or run-heavy teams. They stay on schedule. We know that. This game will probably be won based on two things. First down success and the ability of Kennesaw, like most triple option teams, and Xavier Shepard to pop a couple. So you talked about East Tennessee State and Riddell popping a couple. I think it's a situation that Kennesaw is looking to do as well. East Tennessee State's a more battle-hardened of the two teams due to the schedule, and they know how to win close games. Kennesaw hasn't been challenged a whole heck of a lot. The corners for ETSU are good, and it seems like they particularly like to play triple option teams. They'll come up and tackle. So this will be the best group of corners Kennesaw's seen probably since Georgia Tech. UT Martin hits the road to Bozeman to take on the number eight seed Montana State Bobcats. Chris, UT Martin maybe gets Keon Howard back, but the backup played really well last week. So I think maybe even if Howard is healthy, you might see a combination of those two. And you have to figure that the Skyhawks come into this thing sky high. And look, this is going to be an opportunity for them to elevate their program nationally. You go on the road and beat an MVFC team, which they did last week, and now you have an opportunity to go on the road and beat the number eight seeded Big Sky team, Montana State. You're going to have done something, and Tennessee Martin has a good chance to do so. Well, they're playing with house money, right? So on paper, this might look like a lopsided matchup, but Montana State's offense has struggled of late. They're averaging less than 20 points per game over their last five. The passing attack has averaged less than 150 yards per game over that stretch. Surprisingly, the two teams have an almost identical strength of schedule that was, you know, considering it's an Ohio Valley versus a Big Sky team, that surprised me. Martin might make a game of this. I, they will probably focus on limiting Isaiah Fonse rushing and help Dresser win if Keon Howard is still injured, can have a similar performance to what he did last week and take care of the ball. If he does that, they might have a shot. Preview segments brought to you by Big Deck Barbecue Company. With Christmas coming, we all have somebody who's hard to shop for. Big Deck Barbecue Company's got you covered. They're doing their Christmas boxes once again this year. Your choice of any four Big Deck Barbecue products, gift packaging, and a personalized note, all for 50 bucks. You can't beat that. Get to BigDeckBBQ.com. That's BigDeckBBQ.com. Fudge Fitness. Is your athlete dealing with turtle shell syndrome, lack of flexibility, balance, strength, and footwork? Well, your speed specialist is here. Mr. Derek Fudge, former East Tennessee State All-Southern Conference linebacker and owner of Fudge Fitness, is here to serve athletes in East Tennessee, Southwestern Virginia, and Western North Carolina. Ages 7 and up, 
All sports are welcomed. Fudge Fitness has group sessions, travel teams, and private lessons available. For more information, call or text Fudge Fitness at 423-741-1115 or visit the website fudgefitness.com. Tory Pines Pub in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whether you're looking for a cold drink on a hot day or a place to try out that hot hand when you're feeling lucky, Tory Pines Pub has what you're looking for. Tory Pines Pub caters to sports fans and hosts Montana Grizzlies games every football season. Not only are you going to find the Grizz on TV, but if you ask them, they'll put on whatever FCS game you want. So when you're in Las Vegas, make your way to the corner of Tory Pines and Lake Mead Boulevard to the Tory Pines Pub and tell them FCS Nation sent you. ToryPinesPub.com I'm DJ Coulter from Fargo, North Dakota. Welcome to American Family Insurance. I understand that choosing the proper insurance protection can be overwhelming. That's why it's so important to find someone you can rely on for trusted advice. As your American Family Insurance agent, I'll work hard to earn your trust, and I look forward to helping you find the right insurance solutions for years to come. Area code 701-235-6641. Or better than that, drop by and see DJ at American Family Insurance at 4215 31st Avenue South, Suite B in Fargo, North Dakota. DJ Coulter. Blaine McElmurray specializes in bringing your dream home to reality. Blaine and his team have been building beautiful, custom, single-family and multi-family homes since his return from the NFL in 2003. And Blaine hires only the best subcontractors to work on your home. Blaine has competed in the Parade of Homes only two times, but in those two times, he's won six of the eight awards. Give him a call. If you can dream it, he can build it. To see some of his work or for contact information, go to McElmurrayHomes.net. That's M-C-E-L-M-U-R-R-Y Homes.net. Let McElmurray Homes exceed your expectations. If you're ever in Traverse City, Michigan, stop into Brick Wheels, one of the best bicycle stores in America. You can enjoy that beautiful part of these United States on a bicycle. Road bikes, mountain bikes, fat bikes, even electric assist. And if you go into Brick Wheels and you say, go Grizz, go Bison, go Cadets, or whatever your FCS team name is, you'll get 20% off your purchase. So if you're in Traverse City, Michigan, go into Brick Wheels, talk some FCS football, get 20% off. That's Brick Wheels, Brick wheels.com are you ready for new windows renewal by anderson's windows are the best you can get and their awesome black friday event is backed by popular demand this is an incredible offer you don't have to get up early stand in line you don't even have to wait until black friday you can book an estimate right now listen to this renewal by anderson is giving 20 percent off every window and depending on how many windows you get you'll receive a visa gift card for up to fifteen hundred dollars imagine getting awesome new renewal by Anderson Windows and a lot of spending cash for Christmas. It's fantastic. The financing offer is the best ever. No money down. No interest or payments for 18 months. Think about that. You get your new windows now and you don't even have to make a payment until 2023. Wow. It's a very limited time offer. It starts on Black Friday, November 26th. Runs through December 10th only. Please do not wait to book your free estimate right now. Just go to rbarapidcity.com, set up the free estimate. Renewal by Anderson. Make a great investment this Black Friday. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're now joined by Mr. Paul Paps, executive producer and on-air talent for the Dan Patrick Show, heard on over 360 radio stations. Way to make me feel small, Paul. All across <laughs> this country, Monday through Friday. Thanks for being here, sir. Oh, it's great. I, I, I like what people like you are doing with the radio show and with like the different Twitter feeds that support FCS football. I still throw in a 1AA every once in a while. I'm not being 
disrespectful to FCS, but I like to go old school once, once in a while say one double A. Well, we're both pretty old, so that works both ways. <laughs> Look, you're a noted alumni of Southern Illinois. That program has come a long way. What are your memories of watching football when you were there? Well, when I was at Southern, I did a, a nice five-year stretch. I was you know, a C student, so I took my time at Southern. I really love Carbondale. We were always like five and six, six and five. We had a new quarterback every year. I think we had three head coaches in my five years there. They were not a bad program nor a very good program. And the tailgate was solid. A lot of my friends would not go into the games. Uh, I would be at the tailgate, and I wanted to be there for kickoff. I'm a true football fan. And I would walk in at kickoff, and all my friends would be like, yeah, man, we'll, we'll catch up to you in a bit. And they'd be at the tailgate. So I always wished the football team would be like nine and one in a packed house. So it's Coach Hill. Nick Hill is the coach there. He's a the quarterback there. He's got it to be where it's, it's people are going to the games, and they're, they're a factor. And, and when they play against a, a North Dakota State, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a walk or it feels going to be like a real game. Well, you got North Dakota State in Fargo the last time you played. You yeah. were able to beat them. That's going to be tough sledding, though. It is, but if you look at Southern Illinois, they've played you know, South Dakota State, South Dakota, North Dakota State a few times being in the conference. I think they're not intimidated by North Dakota State anymore. I think maybe three or four years ago, North Dakota State felt like they walk in with the victory and it'd be an occasion when you took a victory away from them. And I don't think, I'm not going to say they're down North Dakota State, but it feels like it's attainable of a victory against them. Well, Chris Callum said it last week. I think everybody in this field is gettable and have been gotten except for Sam Houston this regular season. It's as wide open as it's ever been. Yeah, and you look at a team like one of my favorite teams is Montana State. I actually got to go to Bozeman a long time ago, a great town, and see Montana State play. Actually, it was actually summertime, so I didn't get to see them play football. But um, they're 9-2. and two, They're in the playoffs. They got smoked against Montana a couple weeks ago, and you're like, okay, this team could still be in the playoffs. So I think you could afford an off week. Southern Illinois had a couple off weeks this year. They, you know, they're seven and four, but those seven wins were great. And you look at the teams in your part of the country where you are now, that was a hell of a game between Holy Cross and Sacred Heart. There were people who think that they didn't belong in the playoffs. Man, that was a good defensive, hard-hitting, and entertaining football game. Yeah, so I live uh, in Trumbull, Connecticut, and I'm a mile away from Sacred Heart University. And I've been a teacher a faculty member at Sacred Heart since 2010. I teach journalism and sports media, and I've seen that football program rise up. The coach there is named Mark Nofrey. And about 10 years ago, they were not really putting people in the stands. And again, they'd be like that six and five team that didn't really do much. And the past seven or eight years, they've been to the playoffs, you know, more than they haven't been in the playoffs. And they've been winning conference titles. And the other day, uh, they had parents weekend. And I think the, the whole football complex holds 4,500, 5,500, they had 6,000. There was standing room only, and it felt really cool. So it's a very respectable program, and there's not a lot of really top-notch 1AA programs, FCS programs in the Northeast. You know, Maine's had some good years, and New Hampshire, and, and teams like that. But uh, it, it's nice to have college football, honestly, less than a mile and a half from my house. It's cool. Sacred Heart's a pretty good program. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Paul Paps, executive producer and on-air talent on the Dan Patrick Show. Paul, when you look at the next level up, I don't have enough time to really follow it. Do you expect <laughs> them to go to a system like ours in the FCS here shortly? Um, I don't know. I, I, I like to think that I know what college football Division One should do, but they rarely do what I think they should do. Um, I, I think Division One football should be about 60 teams, maybe five conferences around the country, and a, a you know 
16 team max playoff because then that'd be like 25 percent of the teams will get in that still makes it kind of special to get in it's not like the nba or nhl um i don't know that's what's going to happen you know because then that means some teams would have to drop down like a team like vanderbilt they're not competing for anything on the sec level or on the national title level should vanderbilt be an fcs team or an fbs team i think they should be an fcs team and I don't think they want to think that because they would miss out on all that great SEC money. So, unfortunately, money clouds up uh, a good, reasonable sports decision almost always. Well, when you look around the country and you see teams that struggle and then you see teams move up, Idaho moved down. Amongst the guys there on the show, what was the talk when that happened? Well, I think, you know, Idaho is, is a fun program. And I think moving down is, is kind of weird. Sometimes people look like, Oh, they're going to move up like North Dakota state for years. We've talked to us. Should North Dakota state be in the big 12? Well, they could be a, a kind of a, a name. Everybody knows in, in FCS or they should, they should go up a notch to the big 12 and be seven and four every year, eight and five, eight and three and have nice seasons. I don't, I kind of like where they are. I think, you know, being the top of the heap of Division One AA to me is, is has more value than being a middle of the road team at the next level. I, I, it always has. Everybody sees you on the TV broadcast wearing FCS yeah, gear. Not everybody. Well, Let's not you know, <laughs> it's and and it's not just you and you know people who were famous. I mean, Adam Sandler wears his UNH gear. Who would surprise sure. people listening here? Who's an FCS person? Oh, uh, well, you know what. Um, we have Yale University right down the street. I, when I was at ESPN with Dan Patrick, we went to Yale games, and I know they don't play in the playoffs, but they're they're FCS. And uh, you know, Governor Pataki of New York would always come to the games, and you'll see people at Yale games. You'll see some pretty famous people. Paul Giamatti, the actor, I saw him at a Yale game, or like different people because Yale has a, a broad fan base and a alumni network. So you'll see them at uh, those games. Um, I know Kevin Nealon, the actor, the comedian. He's been in the Sacred Heart game. I saw him in the booth. I didn't get up to the VIP area that day. I think Kevin Nealon took all the good seats. But, uh, you know, it's I really like wearing the gear because I think it has more of an impact. On, on the Dan Patrick show, we're on TV as well. If I wear an Alabama shirt or an LSU shirt, you know, that's nice, but they see that all the time. But if I wear, like, uh, you know, even a Division three school, like UW-Whitewater, or, you know, uh, or if I wear a Jackrabbit shirt from South Dakota State, the South Dakota fans go berserk. They really send in notes. They send nice things on Twitter. And it, it kind of almost like a cycle. So someone at Kennesaw State will say, oh, I saw you wearing that South Dakota State shirt. Could you wear one of ours? Like, believe me, I love free gear. So it, I get mm-hmm. stuff from teams all the time. And it's really funny. After a team wins, so let's say, like, um, let me throw out a team, like Sam Houston or, or, you know, Kennesaw State. If they have a big victory, I'll get a note on Twitter. Hey, make sure you wear our gear on Monday. Don't forget to wear our gear on Monday. So it's a cool little cycle. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Paul Paps from the Dan Patrick Show. Really appreciate you being here, sir. And uh, look, keep wearing that FCS gear. And FCS Nation, send in the stuff. He'll wear it. Thanks, Paul. I'm always here for free gear. Take care. All electric, no gas, lawn care in Missoula and the Bitterroot Valleys. Are you looking to go green this spring? Call Rob at 630-404-0409 for all electric lawn care. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for Chris Callum and I to pick the games taking place in the second round of these FCS playoffs. Up first, Incarnate Word is at the number one seed, Sam Houston Bearcats. 
with this round the playoffs and, and really going forward, it's easy to see upsets happening. I want to pick Incarnate Word. Both teams are really good on offense. Sam Houston is a better team on defense. They're at home. They have more experience. Give me the Bearcats to win this one, 34 to 20. The Word survived last week, and the Cardinals are a battle-tested football team. And like Chris and I both mentioned before, Sam Houston, save for the Battle of the Piney Woods against SFA, hasn't really played a close game in a while. The Bearcat defense will be tested here. Excellent QB matchup between Cam Ward for Incarnate Word and Schmid for Sam Houston. Both teams will score, but I like that Bearcat defense to get a couple of more stops in the defense for the Cardinals. Take Sam Houston at home 42-35. to Southern Illinois is at the two-seed North Dakota State. Southern Illinois' weakness is on defense, and I just don't think they can get enough stops to beat the Bison, so give me North Dakota State to win this game 38-10. to The Salukis did a much better job possessing the football last week. They dominated the time of possession against South Dakota, and therefore their defense looked a lot better in the fourth quarter. They came into that game, the Salukis did, 128th in FCS in time of possession. If they can do to NDSU what they did last week to South Dakota, they've got a real shot here. But we all know against that Bison defense that is much easier said than done. NDSU has looked much better on offense since Cam Miller took over the QB job, and for the Bison, the recipe is as simple as it's ever been. Run the ball, play defense, and be solid in the specialty teams. They will. NDSU wins at home 30-21. Southeastern Louisiana is at the number three seed, James Madison Dukes. James Madison has clearly the better defense here. I think there's a chance if they rush out to a a lead that the Lions can still come back with Cole Kelly, but it's going to be a tall task. I think with a lead, James Madison is going to make life rough on him and and really force the issue. So give me the Dukes to win this game 40-28. to Lions roll into Harrisonburg with an offense that would scare the daylights out of anybody, but that JMU offense ain't no slouch either. And we're going to find out, like I said earlier, who the best best Cole in FCS is at the quarterback position. Cole Kelly for Southeastern Louisiana or Cole Johnson for James Madison. Highly touted Southland QBs haven't fared well at JMU in the playoffs. Think back to Jeremiah Briscoe a few years ago and Sam Houston. I expect this one to come down to defense and JMU has the better one. JMU wins at home and advances 38-31. South Dakota State is at the number four seed Sacramento State Hornets. What impresses me about the Hornets is the defense and the fact that they are still probably stung by that loss to Austin P a couple of years ago. They're at home, and something tells me that Sacramento State's going to pull out the mild upset here, so give me the Hornets to win this game in a close one, 30-27. to 27. Not me, sir. The Jackrabbits bring in what is my opinion the most balanced and best all-around offense in FCS. Matchup of two excellent head coaches here. Hornets head coach Troy Taylor will have a game plan in this one that will exploit that Jackrabbit defense. Adjustments will have to be made on both sides and both of these head coaches can do so. SDSU will not be able to run the ball like they did last week but sticking to it will be the key. They'll pop a couple of big plays in the running game and that will be the difference. I like South Dakota State on the road over Sacramento State 38-35. Holy Cross is at the number five seed Villanova Wildcats. Throughout the William & Mary loss where Justin Covington didn't play and it was kind of a funky game and William & Mary had a great game plan and Nova has been pretty darn consistent, especially on defense. And I think they just overmatch Holy Cross here. So give me Villanova Wildcats to win this game 27 to 7. Holy Cross will not be intimidated here. Nova must play well to win. They found that out in that game against William and Mary that Chris just mentioned. The Satyrs must make a few plays in the passing game to loosen up the Wildcats defense. And I expect Villanova 
to almost dare Holy Cross to do so. I think this game will be a sneaky good one, but Villanova will wear down Holy Cross in the fourth quarter, and the Wildcats will win at home 30-14. to Eastern Washington is at the number five seed, Montana Grizzlies. I think Eastern Washington opens up the playbook here and lets it rip in Missoula, and I think they have too much offense and they have enough defense to get the job done. Give me the Eagles to win this game 34-20. to I disagree here, Chris. I saw the regular season matchup up close and personal from the sidelines in Cheney. I know a guy there. The Grizz were beat up at that time and still are in some areas, especially at running back, and the Eagles' defense really held up against a physical UNI team last week, especially the defensive line. I expect they will do the same this week. But the Grizz have a huge advantage on special teams. Eric Berrier and the offense will get theirs against a very solid Grizz D. But take Montana in Missoula, 28-27. Kennesaw State is at the number 7 seed, East Tennessee State Buccaneers. Very similar teams, but I like the Bucks, and I like them because they have a little bit more of a dynamic offense. And I think they're a little bit more battle-tested, having gone through a SOCON schedule. So East Tennessee State gets the win here, 34-28. to If you're an ETSU fan, you should be saying, thank God for the Citadel. Well, everyone everywhere should be saying that all the time, but let's move on. Because the Bucks, they've seen the triple option already, and they must prepare for it in fall camp in the spring to be ready for it. You would think the triple O team would have the better running game, and most times you'd be right, but Quay Holmes and Jacob Saylor's will be the story here. Tyler Rodell make a couple of plays in the passing game and the Bucks will win. Take ETSU at home over Kennesaw State 31 to 24. UT Martin is at the number 8 seed Montana State Bobcats. We've seen Montana State have issues in the playoffs at home in the past, and something tells me that's going to continue. I talked about Tennessee Martins playing with house money. They have not one but two capable quarterbacks, and Montana State's passing game has really been ineffective. They can be made one-dimensional. So the question boils down to can Tennessee Martin get enough stops against the awesome Montana State rushing attack? I think they can. Upset of the week here. Give me the Skyhawks to win this game. 2017. Chris and I never talk about who we're going to pick before the show, and I totally agree here. Skyhawks are not going to get six turnovers this week. That's not going to happen. Montana State's not that bad of an offensive team, but they are challenged throwing the football, and that's where Missouri State made hay. UT Martin was able to limit the running game. I think they'll do the same thing this week. I think Keon Howard's going to be able to play at least some and maybe just come in to hand the ball off as a decoy. We'll see. Bobcats, man, they need to line up, run the football, and try to push UT Martin around. I don't believe they'll be able to do so. Take UT Martin in the upset over the number 8 seed Montana State Bobcats in Bozeman, 24-21. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is produced by Mr. Justin Swallows, co-hosted by Mr. Chris Callum. The marketing director for FCS Nation is Miss Stacy Marshall. On behalf of all those good people, I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.